0: The Chasing Progress
1: Podcast. Let's go! Hello and welcome to episode 5 of the Chasing Progress Podcast. Please make sure that you keep
0: subscribing and leaving us 5 star reviews. It is much appreciated. Today we're going to be asking 10 questions and we're going to be answering every single one in under 3 minutes per question. We're going to have a little bit of fun with it. We've got the stopwatch on and we're going to give ourselves a time limit. So no waffling, just concise, fun And hopefully insightful answers.
1: The Chasing Progress Podcast by Origin Jim.
0: Question one. Okay. Why do we ice injuries? We shouldn't ice injuries. It's the worst thing to do. (laughs) Now that is a controversial statement. It's not. It's not for you, but for me, and I know obviously we've chatted about this, but for me i think my go-to i've been trained over years and years and years that i'm going to ice my injuries and i'm going to put ice on something to take down the swelling let's rephrase the question and ask what are we
1: trying to do so we're trying to regenerate the area get it back to full health get it moving and get it back to how it should be yeah so if we put ice on it we are damaging the healthy cells that are not injured. The trauma that's happened, the cells around there, we are damaging by putting ice on. Then, but Actually, compression is probably worse than the ice. So when we're compressing it, yeah. we are restricting like the lymphatic system, which is going to flush everything out for us. Okay. So it's us getting in the way of our body's self-healing process that is the problem. We are so the, the body problem.
0: knows how to heal itself better yeah. than we do. Yeah.
1: Okay. And that has just got lost along the way. The guy who came out with the RICE protocol. So REST... Wrist. Ice compression. compression elevation. Yes, everyone there. knows that. But and you just take it as gospel because I don't know a doctor's told you, a PT's told you like one you said, minute. But yeah, it's the worst thing to do. So if we are rest, so what it, should we do? So we should be getting it active. Active recovery is the answer. That's the that's the acronym. Instead of RICE, active recovery is the answer. ARITA, I think it's called. Okay. The guy who came out, the doctor who came out with the RICE protocol has debunked this. He said, this is the worst thing you can do now. Now that he knows or has been researching yeah. it, it's the worst thing to do. So what we should be doing is finding a neutral position. Obviously, if you broke your ankle, you don't, you're not going to be walking. But it's just use stuff like EMS machines, electric muscle stimulation, Higher end, we can use a H wave machine. Okay. And this is basically walking without walking or okay. moving without injuring the, yeah. um, the pot. Um, we should not be icing. We should not be compressing it. We need to let the blood flow. We need to let the body do its own job of self healing. We need to stop getting in the way.
0: Boom. Three, Three minutes. minutes done. Question two Why <clears> do my knees hurt
1: when running? Well, there's a few factors to this, I guess. If you start running when you haven't done any exercise at all, there's a lot of load, a lot of pressure going through the knees.
0: That's it, hey. You've got to build it up over small amounts of time. Oh, sorry, large amounts of time with small efforts. Don't be putting huge efforts in when you're learning how to run or starting running again. That's possibly one reason why your knees hurt when you're running. Another reason is you could be carrying an injury, um, and you are, you've, got some, you've got an injury either in the, uh, in the ligament, in the muscle surrounding the knee joint, in the tendons around the knee joint, in the patella tendon, which is a common one. Um, the muscle surrounding the knee can be tight. For all of you listening, the knee joint is the most bullied joint in the lower half of the body for sure because it is a floating joint. So it sits between your hip and your ankle. And your ankle is obviously in contact with the ground and is stable because of the ground and your hip is attached to the rest. You so your knee floats in between those two. And so if something is off either at the hip or at the ankle, you're going to be feeling it in the knee um, more I, than likely. Yeah, I think
1: a lot of people do have those issues without actually knowing it. Yeah. And also with a bit of common sense, if you've got an injury, don't run it off. Yeah. Listen to your body.
0: Um, Absolutely, and if you have it, if you have sore knees when you're running, don't put ice on it. <laughs> but, don't put ice, but, and you don't, um, and you haven't necessarily injured yourself. You just notice that your knees are hurting when you're running. Speak to your personal trainer, speak to your coach, uh, research, and maybe strengthen the areas around the knee. So maybe strengthen the muscles around the knee joints. Um, strengthen your quad, your hamstring, your hip flexors are a big one that you want to strengthen. Your to be honest, which is the muscle that runs down the front right-hand portion of your shin. You want to make sure that that's strong and used. And you'll find that once you strengthen those muscles, you might notice that your knees stop hurting when you're running. And definitely building it up over time, doing little bits of running over time is going to build up your tolerance. And you'll probably notice your knees don't hurt as much. And it's all a little things like, you know, drinking enough water, make sure the joints, yeah. tendons, everything's lubricated properly. Um, and I can attest that I know that I don't drink enough water often enough, and when I do, my joints one million percent feel better. It's like so easy and so obvious. Yeah, it's just like it's not
1: hydration. Sexy, is it? is it's key. not. It's not like it yeah. hasn't got ribbons on it. It's just not a drink magic some water. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. This is <laughs> Chasing Progress, the podcast.
0: Right, cool. that's it. Question three: Should I be tracking my food? This is the it depends answer. so what's
1: your goal yeah I've tracked in the past when I had a goal when I had a reason to I don't track anymore now because I've got a understanding of it for you and you're happy
0: with where you are we keep coming back to this you are happy with your current performance levels you're happy with your current physique composition your aesthetic look and I have a good understanding yeah if you were not enjoying that kind of stuff and you'd maybe got into a position where you're for whatever reason put on a bit of body fat or a bit of excess body fat more than you would have liked, then you might start tracking. So I wouldn't have
1: gotten in shape I got in for our shoot that we had without tracking. Yeah. Um, I'd probably felt good and I'd have trained hard, but I wouldn't have got in that shape without keeping everything to the T. Whereas now
0: though, you probably could get in that shape without tracking purely because you'd understand the level of discipline that it'd take you. Yeah, and it's one of them, a good
1: saying for this is the more you track, the less you need to track. Because you understand more. Yeah. Yeah, so it's just an education process but some people you know we spoke earlier some people like to do it to maintain control and they need to Yeah, and it's a process for them that keeps them in check which is completely fine it just it depends on the person depends on the goal depends on a few other external factors but like you track
0: you track a lot don't you I track yeah I'll definitely track do you track loosely or do you track I would say I'm more a loose tracker but at the moment I'm tracking strictly at the moment, I'm being quite disciplined with so my So what tracking. am I called if I, You're, intuitive? Intuitive. you're, you're, you're a non-tracker. You're an intuitive. intuitive. What is intuitive? That's a whole other word. But I would say that, yes, in today's modern words and the words that we use, like to phrase, yeah, phrase things in, yeah, I'd say you're an intuitive, eater. you kind of eat how you feel. There's definitely days where I've noticed that if you um, know that you've perhaps got a lower energy day, you're not going to just be consuming calories, you know, out of sort of for England you're definitely going to rein yourself back in a little bit and there's days where if you've trained hard and you, you kind of just you're going to let loose a little bit and, and sort of eat a, eat a few more calories than maybe you normally would
1: it's a time and a place for tracking because if you give someone who is new to the gym new to fitness new to yeah, the whole journey and you the say worst thing in the world go and eat 1724 calories and 30% of that's got to be protein and and they're going to be devastated Yeah, they won't know what you're talking Their about So blow up. It's got to come from someone who can explain it well, give you a reason why, and you're in a place to do it because there's no point doing it. That's the biggest
0: thing, that you've got to be in a place to track successfully and gain an understanding and gain knowledge on it. I'd probably
1: Um, say this is quite a a more down the line type thing to do in terms of your health journey or fitness journey get the routine in place of going to the gym or exercising,
0: and then we can implement more good habits as we go down. Boom, that's it. (laughs) (laughs) Question four, how do I shake up my diet or exercise routine? That's two questions in one. People, you can't give us two questions in one question. How do you shake up your diet? How do you shake up your exercise routine? They are two different questions. We're gonna answer two in three minutes, Dave, go. Okay, so first off, you don't have to. Yeah. I.
1: Pretty much eat the same type of stuff all year I th- round. I
0: think I read, and i uh, again. This is you know one of those not bro science things, but I think I read that we that we regurgitate or re, <laughs> I know bad word for food. We um we basically cycle cycle through or recycle twelve different meals across across the year in some format. As, as humans, that's what we do. We eat the same twelve meals. That's not regurgitate. I know regurgitate. Well, you could use regurgitate. That's being sick. No, regurgitate is doing the same thing over and over, or bringing up the same thing. It's not just in reference to being sick. You can regurgitate information. So it's not just about being sick. But we're losing time here on right, our questions. Right. So yeah,
1: if you keep a food diary, you do, you'll see a pattern. You do eat the same things regularly, unless yeah. you're an anomaly and yeah, whatever. But and I probably you live t- in a kitchen. Yeah, and, you know, I yeah. eat chicken. Most days, I'll have steak. You could probably... <laughs> most days, <laughs> yeah. I'll have lamb chops. I had chicken and most and steak days. yesterday. <laughs> lamb chops, I had them yesterday. But I could pretty much nail my
0: nutrition down to like four or five meals. Yeah. I, I'd, like, I'd like to jump in on this one. How do you shake up your diet? Um, be aware of what you're eating and purposefully... Eat something different. It's literally not that difficult. The question's is why, isn't it? Why do you want to do it? Because you don't have well, to. Yeah. If they're asking though, how do I shake up my diet? So they want to know how to, I'd say write down or be aware of what you're eating and just eat something different. So if you notice that you eat a lot of chicken all the time and chicken is kind of, now getting you're getting a little bit sick of it, then perhaps make sure that you put it on the shelf for a little while, maybe eat chicken once a week and throw in some other sources of protein. Maybe go... Maybe go for a whole day. I can't believe I'm about to say this. Of just no. plant-based food. Maybe just have a whole day of just eating vegetables and experimenting in the kitchen with your food. Do that. In terms of how do you shake up your exercise routine? Can't believe um, you said that. I know it's the same thing. How do you shake up your exercise? Write down. Be aware of what you're doing. Don't cherry pick your exercises. Work on some of your weaknesses. Do things that you perhaps don't. Uh, There's no to Enjoy. You don't have to do the same exercise yeah. every week. You can no, mix you it don't. up. But for, a classic one for me, how do I how do I get better at my handstands? Well, for starts, I'm actually going to have to do them, but I never do them, so I'm not shaking up my exercise routine for that because I'm cherry-picking my exercise. If I want to get better at handstands, I'm going to have to do them. Because you know you're going to suck at it first, and you don't want that feeling. Correct. So that's how you do it. Progress, not perfection. The Chasing Progress Podcast. Question five. How often should you stretch? I'm going to hand over to Dave for this because he is... Uh, Stretch guru. So I
1: stretch most days. I have an app called GoWad, which is tailored to the individual. So you do a test on GoWad. It highlights your weakness areas and then designs a program specifically. So for me, it was like overhead, shoulders, mobility, yeah. thoracic, that type of stuff, yeah, which you I know that. So then it designs me a program and I can choose if I do eight minutes, 15 minutes, 22 minutes or whatever it is and it'll just focus on that area for me but I can choose other areas so say I'm doing legs or I'm doing something else it will give me a program to do that I can choose specifically what I want to do but yeah. my tailor program is always there which I should be doing pretty much every and, day
0: and how often do you do it every day
1: yeah I'm, I do miss a couple of days so if I get massage or chiropractor or any form of external physio yeah I don't do it on those days I mean there's days I forget but on the whole I'm pretty
0: consistent I'd say I'd do it five times out of seven yeah I think if the question is well it is how often should you stretch optimally you're going to stretch five to seven times a week but if you're someone like me who is so bad at taking care of my mobility and stretching then me doing it three times a week is going to be fantastic and it's it's going to be life-changing yeah it's not necessarily you
1: don't have to stretch before a warm-up before going into a session your warm-up can be like if you've got squats yeah mobility your warm-up can just be doing air squats yeah air squats on the floor just open up the hips things like that you don't have to be doing like um,
0: but then you stretch before bed right yeah and does that put you in a more relaxed state for sleep until the kids start jumping on me. Yeah. <laughs> but then if the kids weren't jumping on but
1: you. Typically, yeah, I'll have, I have a routine where I do my stretching. So we'll probably watch a program before bed. Then I'll do my stretching. I'll have my, I have a little routine of like taking CBD oil and doing my little yeah. joint thing and all that yeah, stuff. Yeah, taking care of yourself. So I have yourself. a little, just a routine. And that's probably the best thing to do. Get a routine that works for you. Like most so- things.
0: Five to seven times a week is the answer. If you can do it, if you're not someone who stretches often, three times a week is going to be a win. If you're someone who has never done it, once a week is going to be better than nothing. So something is better than nothing, but ultimately, optimally, we for- Yeah,
1: because you're always going to get these people who are saying, oh, stretching has no benefits and...
0: but even if it puts you in a more relaxed state before sleep that's the reason I asked you because it definitely can put you in a more relaxed state before sleep yeah I mean it's a struggle some of the movements I do are a struggle but it helps you focus on your breathing more (laughs) like (laughs) I'd be be sweating before bed (laughs) sweating cobs some of them are bad like
1: really bad to get into but you just feel better you wake up the next morning
0: and there's no aches or pains question six what is progressive overload I would love to jump in on this one just real quick Um, In training, in the gym, we love fancy words and fancy lingo and I think progressive overload makes something sound like you're not doing it because you haven't heard of or you hear people say progressive overload so you think you're not doing it in the gym. Um, Progressive overload, simply broken down, is increasing either the weight that you use to perform certain exercises or the sets or reps that you do to perform those exercises, and are they increasing the weight slowly over time, increasing the sets and the reps over time, maybe decreasing the sets, but increasing the reps, maybe so like you know, I ha- I hate scientific terms in the gym. Yeah, it's just basically getting a little bit heavier. Progressive overload is getting a little bit heavier on the things that you're doing slowly over time, so that your 60 goes to 70, your 70 goes to 80 as your body gets stronger, and you do it to stimulate your body into growth and to into gaining strength. But it isn't a fancy word that is unachievable or unobtainable. It's basically just you being smart about your training and making things heavier over time slowly. Uh, and you can do that with weight, sets, reps, or even exercise, as Dave said before, air squats. So progressive overload on air squats can be, you can go from an air squat to a goblet squat. You can go from a goblet squat to a back squat. You can go from a back squat to a front squat. Air squat can be the progress. You could start yeah. on a box squat. You can and start on a bench. Yeah, absolutely, like yeah. We can go
1: backwards as well you as forwards. You can go from an
0: air squat to a pistol squat. That could be progressive overload because now you're going from... I'm going to get fancy unilateral work Oof. where you're getting two feet on the ground and you can go to bilateral where it's just or bilateral to unilateral, sorry, the other Stop way. Stop it. Where you're just using one. So We that, can
1: literally cut progressive overload down to
0: progress. Yes. We can take
1: the if overload off. Absolutely.
0: Work hard, be consistent, make it happen. Question seven, can you overtrain? Dave, let's refer back to last year. You were training very hard for NFG. You got injured around August 2020, or was it July 2020? August. It was niggling and building up from June, July. Do you think you
1: overtrained? No. Okay. So... I see why you asked that. Yeah. I I I, asked that on purpose because you you got injured, obviously. I think I didn't take care of myself better. I wasn't getting massages. I wasn't supplementing properly. I wasn't... And you were training hard. That's probably the hardest I've trained in a long, long time. So I exerted way more on one aspect yeah. but neglected the other side of it so yeah. yeah it was my own fault so it wasn't that wasn't overtraining for me overtraining
0: can get you can overtrain obviously you can you can overtrain
1: yeah it's a term that people i think people take the term wrongly it's like, oh you're doing too much you're doing too much stuff. training you got to think some people train for the mental health some people just train to feel better yeah but yeah some people can overtrain if you've you know if you've got an injury like go back to knee injury. If you have got a knee injury and you go out running, or you're doing squats, and it's it uh, and again, you're over you, you know you're yeah. overtraining. You're being yeah, silly. Yeah, yeah. so, so
0: so yeah. So overtraining basically, you someone who trains seven days a week versus someone maybe who trains four days a week. The person who's training seven isn't necessarily overtraining if their body has adapted to that yeah to that uh, load of stress and actually their, their body might be performing optimally at seven days a week they might not be ex- executing strength sessions seven days a week they might be doing four days of strength sessions you know another three days of sort of low intensity cardio days whatever you know i, I don't know what their split might be but their their body may have adapted to that level of stress whereas then you've got someone who trains 4 days a week they train well and then all of a sudden I don't know where they go to 5 6 days a week and they haven't built it up slowly they've done it quite quite ac- uh, acutely and all of a sudden now their body that, they, yeah. they've overtrained that's key isn't it because if you look at
1: say the top crossfitters they're training what 8 hours a day
0: yeah i mean like
1: across Double the day sessions, or like triple or, sessions or like
0: yeah eight, 8 hours maybe broken up into like you know an hour and a so half session I, r- rest for an hour and a half go again that kind of thing. If I just said to you that I'm training
1: eight hours a day, you'd be like, well, well that's way too much. Yeah, absolutely. Well, these people do it day in, day out. It's the job. They yeah. are, they've adapted to it. That's just what they do. Now, if someone...
0: You've got to listen to your body, basically. You've got to know your body, yeah? Yeah, the like, answer is you, you can overtrain. You can overtrain by not listening to your body. So, like, I don't have set rest days anymore. I used to, but I don't anymore because now I might go for a run on a Sunday, which was stereotypically my rest day. But there's other days where I'm just like but there, ah, that's interesting I still will always rest if I do have a rest day it will be a Saturday or a Sunday so that's interesting I won't listen to my body necessarily well then my Monday two rest days fr- as well Friday you know Monday through Friday no that's when I always train and then but Saturday, it's context and environment because yeah. we
1: used to train train for NFG we did Saturday yeah. hard Saturdays didn't we yeah we did but like now I'll have Saturday Sundays off but I'll still be active I'll be going on walks you know an hour with the dog kids five seconds left um, yes you can overtrain but it's in context <laughs>
0: great answer question uh, number eight is it all about calorie deficit yeah
1: it's the that's the buzz how long Isn't is it, it how
0: long is a piece of
1: string like um, yeah. calorie deficit for people who don't know is basically you are expending more energy than you are taking in so basically you're moving more than what you're eating what you're consuming yeah So, we create a deficit, so technically you lose weight. So, if you want to lose fat, lose weight, a calorie deficit in whatever way you implement it will
0: work, essentially. If you do it consistently. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, you could eat seven miles. Consistently and honestly, if you are honest with yourself. But like
1: I could eat seven Mars bars a day. Yeah. And be in a calorie deficit. Yeah. But that's not going to do me any good. I'm going and, to feel like absolute crap. And
0: yeah, and that comes down to the quality of your nutrient makeup in your body.
1: So essentially, yeah, yeah for fat loss, weight loss, calorie deficits is, is yeah, that's what it's about. Yeah, but the
0: question kind of, the question's a bit misleading, isn't it? Because it's saying, is it all about calorie deficit? But there's got to be another question attached to that, which is like, is it all about calorie deficit if my goal is this? Yeah. Because... Is it all about a calorie deficit if you're looking to get massive? Then no. You it's definitely not about a calorie deficit. It's about eating as much food as you can find in the right quantities and the right sort of breakdown. I think it's just calorie deficit is a it's the buzzword at the moment, isn't it? I think I think it's a good buzzword though because I think what it is doing is it's showing people and getting people through all the crap of like you know the things that you go on about sometimes about like all the fads out there all the like the shake diets and this diet and that diet and and whatever it it cuts through all of that and it says that if your goal is weight loss or body fat loss or trimming up or whatever then which yes. most of
1: those fads are associated with.
0: Yes. Then it is about a calorie deficit. Then it's not about that shake. But it's, it's sustainable. It's the fact that the shake is putting you in a calorie deficit. So if you break it down, it's not the, the symptom, which is the shake. It's the root, which is the calorie deficit. So yes, it is about a calorie deficit. And but the problem
1: is the people who have those shakes with a chippy tea.
0: Yeah. Then you're not in a calorie deficit. Or people have the shakes and say, it's not calorie deficit. It's the shake that's making me like this. Yeah. It's the amazing amazing cabbage soup. It's not. It's the calorie deficit. So yes. And on the flip, yeah.
1: So on the flip to that is, you know, you can eat the best diet in the world. You can have the healthiest, organic, most perfect foods on the planet. But if you eat too much of it, you're in a calorie surplus. So you'll eat. So someone in a calorie deficit, no matter what they eat, will lose weight. That's it. The Chasing Progress Podcast by Origin Gym. Question
0: nine. Favourite thing about the fitness industry? I mean, I think this will be a quick answer and a long one all in all, because I think I'm going, you can find going. it. Are you, go going? No, I'm you going? No, go, you okay. go.
1: Okay, so my favourite thing is seeing uh, the... I, just, I know what you're going to say. You're going to rob my answer. Go. I li- I don't like fat loss or weight loss or things like that I don't like those things I know everyone wants it but they are a byproduct of a consistent lifestyle and doing robbed well robbed me I like seeing the complete life transformation
0: Ugh. I mean I agree but it's only because he's robbed my answer oh well come up with another one so that's your favourite well no if it's my favourite thing it's my favourite thing
1: <laughs> I like I like, I like yeah. people realising that they can achieve so much more just by trying just by trying things I always go back to one-on-one PT in commercial gyms day one I'd meet the person for the first time usually female I would take that female into the I'm putting my hands up for quotes here men's (laughs) area of the gym yeah I would make them do a press up and then suddenly it was like a light bulb comes on it's like oh Yeah, I am. I can be here, and I can do press ups because it's not now. Let's see what else I can do. The gym, and then multiply that down the line when you realise. Yeah, I mean,
0: we've been doing this. What between us, I think we've got thirty years between us in this game, and so I think that. Uh, the favorite thing about the fitness industry is is definitely the way that it makes people feel when it's done right and it's executed right and I think when people come in and they see over time their lives either transformed or they gain confidence without you know there's certain people I'd love to just shout out right now but they might not want their names mentioned so for, for that I won't but You know, you see people grow in confidence. You see all of a sudden they they start applying for different jobs. Like how crazy that the gym is the place that they find something inside them that then translates into I can apply for better jobs. I can buy different clothes, which makes me feel a certain way. Confidence. And they gain self-confidence. But not just self-confidence. They gain self-awareness. They become aware of actually who they are. And they start to like, you, you see not, yeah, you see light bulb moments and you see all that. But you... I love just it's you know oh man we this will sound
1: it. silly to most people but me and you both had one before all lockdown and whatever and i'm not mentioning names but we've seen someone wearing shorts
0: yeah like somewhat, incredible
1: a fella who's wearing shorts yeah who
0: fantastic
1: yeah like, going what, a, what probably, a journey yeah probably, and it's just things like that something so probably meaningless and stupid to most people but for us oh Yeah,
0: meaningless and, and like just the, probably, probably people being oblivious to it. Yeah.
1: This is Chasing Progress the podcast.
0: Question 10. What's the best measurement for fat loss? Well, there is no
1: best measurement. There are tools we can use to manage progress and see progress. I've used like you can let's take the body scan. That's a good one. A DEXA scan. That's another one. Tape measure, scales, how Caliper, you feel calipers how your clothes fit how you feel how your clothes fit there's and, seven and how you look how you look there's eight
0: yeah and when you take those photos don't take them in the mirror take them of yourself not in the mirror because mirrors throw shade and do all sorts of things if you want to be honest i used to take it in the mirror yeah no if you want shade like yeah they're, they're, come on mirrors always make you look better oh, okay so i'm saying some mirrors do well, yeah, I'd say the best way to do it is just take a photo of yourself, set up your phone on a time lapse, and just stand in front of it and take your take in a photo. In all seriousness,
1: later. though, mirrors that are like a, a good one. Not pictures, pictures of yourself. Pictures are they, a good one, they yeah. are one
0: of the biggest ones. So I'm going because back. sometimes how you feel doesn't always translate to how you look. Sometimes you're looking a lot better than how you feel because you're not where you were. Well, you're not where you want to be, so you almost discredit or discount the progress that you've made, and so you're like, oh. I want more fat loss, I want this, I want that. But actually, man, you've just lost like seven kilos of body fat in the last month. Like you're flipping, yeah, I mean, not in a month, but you know what I mean.
1: I'd say it's important though, to stick with the routine you use. Don't be like taking pictures in the mirror for like three months and then suddenly go to the scale yeah. and then suddenly go, bounce, down. oh yeah, no, bounce now there. I'm rubbish. Yeah, yeah, just stick with it. Stick with what you're doing, stay consistent. The best thing, I when we did ours, the the photo shoot, I was getting calipers done and taking pictures yeah, and scales. So yeah. I'd weigh myself every day. That was my part. So
0: you had three measurements and you had was measuring me um, and yeah.
1: taking my uh, skin fold measurements um, and pictures. They were the three for me. But, you yeah. know, for someone else, it might just be how do you feel? It might be yeah. if a pair of pants fit them a bit better. Yeah.
0: All oh, that's fine. So the best measurement for fat loss is the measurement that you can repeat consistently and um, and. And yes. it's accessible to you so
1: don't use something uh
0: you can't you yeah, can only you use like maybe once a year you yeah. can't get access to it. Yeah, yeah Dexa
1: scan like don't use a Dexa scan because you can only do that it's expensive and it you can
0: only do it once or whatever yeah just just do something that you can repeat constantly cool we've done it guys awesome we hope you've enjoyed this podcast make sure that you uh like it review it give us five star reviews subscribe share. Do all those things. Tell your family, your friends. Share it everywhere, guys. Thanks very much for listening. We will catch you next time on the Chasing Progress podcast. Thank you for listening. Subscribe now on iTunes and Spotify. The Chasing Progress podcast. Find us on Instagram at origin underscore Jim.